in Boston, kids growing up, uh, skiing in Neshoba Valley. And this is the actual ski weather that I enjoy. Um, so are we on now, or Chris, are, am I going to be told? So we are. Um, God bless you, Aaron. My name is David Ewan, and I head up the Bravehearted Men's Ministry at the Resurrection Center with Pastors Jose and Melly Martinez. It's good to see all of you on this uh, cold night. Last year, for those that were here uh, shortly before Thanksgiving, you probably remembered that I gave a detailed account of what Thanksgiving was, what the history was. Um, this year, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I'll still give um, a remembrance of the activities that occurred that associated with uh, Thanksgiving, but I'll also talk about how God is involved. Um, everybody in school, they, they heard this story about the Mayflower. Um, and if you remember, it was the year 1620. But if you do the math, it's exactly 400 years ago. And if you look at history, it's actually 400 years ago as of a week ago today. So this is the perfect timing um, to actually have this discussion tonight. Okay. Now, we are in a time of uh, pandemic. Um, and we've been talking a lot about that. You can't avoid the conversation. Um, so we've had a very different year. Notice I didn't say it was a difficult year. I said it was a very different year. And yet, still have something to be thankful for. And that's why I thought it would be appropriate for me to talk about this. So I'm going to talk about this year, I share how God is in the mix. Uh, for those, I think I passed it out for those that are here already and for those that are coming, my wife will pass out a handout similar to what was last week. What is in the handout is uh, uh, a QR code in the upper right-hand corner where um, those are the no notes of our conversation. I've provided the agenda for you, but um, this uh, you'll see the European version of what I'm presenting to you tonight. So today's agenda is, number one, we're going to talk about the journey with God in the center. Okay, so there's journeys, but then there's God in the center. Then, number two, we're going to talk about the Mayflower Compact, which was the legal set of laws that was written when the Mayflower arrived. And you'll see that, once again, God is in the center. Then we'll talk about U.S. presidents and what they said about Thanksgiving. And once again, you'll see that God is in the center. Therefore, when we reach number four, we're going to talk about what God says about Thanksgiving. Then we'll talk about some biblical truths about Thanksgiving. And then we'll talk about how Thanksgiving is understood in the Bible. Then as I start to close, um, I'll talk about what United States citizens and residents should be thankful for. And then I'll talk about how we can even be thankful during this pandemic. It'll make you think. And then I'll close on the certain topics specifically of what the Resurrection Center is thankful for. So the famous Mayflower story actually began, I told you about 1620, it actually began in 1606. That perhaps might be a more important year than 1620 when the Mayflower landed here in Massachusetts. It's when a group of reform-minded Puritans in Nottinghamshire, England, founded their own church separate from the state-sanctioned Church of England. What happened was the Church of England separated from the real church. 
So there was a church that was based on man, not by God. And people knew that, and so they wanted to separate from that. Now, it was required by law, absolute requirement, that you had to follow the Church of England and not any other church. So accused of treason, these Puritans, as I was telling you about, they were forced to leave the country and settle in a more tolerant Netherlands. So rather than cross the Atlantic, see, you and I, we know that story. They first went to the Netherlands. you got to think, this is 400 years ago. Uh, well, more than 400 years ago. We're talking about 1606. Um, so think of the technology back then. The, the concept, the idea of crossing the Atlantic to go to what was called the New World was as far away as when we talk about Elon Musk going to Mars. Okay, it's, it's just so that much far away. The problem, there was a problem in the Netherlands. After 12 years of struggling to adapt and make a decent living, the group sought financial backing from Sun London mer merchants to set up a colony in the New World. What happened was they went to the Netherlands. The Netherlands took care of their own, not people who immigrated there. The children couldn't get the education, so the parents didn't see that there was a future there. So they returned back to England. So let's talk about these pilgrims, as they're called. Uh, they were actually separatist Protestants. Later, I'll tell you why they were called pilgrims. And they, what, what they did is they wanted to make a clean break from the Church of England. Uh, and this was during the reign of King James. They believed in strict adherence to the word of Jesus Christ. You have heard the apostle. You've heard Pastor Jose. You've heard Pastor Melly. You've heard Apostle Lourdes here at the Resurrection Center and, and other churches as well, uh, for that matter. We stick to true doctrine, okay? And that's what people were trying to do 400 years ago. The Church of England was not sticking to true, uh, true doctrine in terms of its practice, in terms of its practice. So they had a pastor, and the, the name of the pastor was John Robinson. And they first moved in 1609 to Leyden, Holland. But after 11 years, they wanted a place of their own. So their children were losing their identity because they were not being supported. They didn't see a future there. So they moved back to England. Okay, So they were there for about 11 to 12 years. So this journey actually started with an 11-year attempt at something that didn't work out. So they came back and said, let's do something else. So they moved back to England to prepare for the move to the New World. That's what it was called. It was called the New World. Um, and it was to go across the Atlantic. I keep stressing going across the Atlantic. Um, when I was a boy, I sailed in the Atlantic. And I've sailed in storms. And I've been on ships that capsized. So maybe I'm coming from a different angle. I know what it's like to be in the cold waters, the cold, salty waters um, off the coast of Cape Cod. I know it's like seeing the thunder overhead um, and the waves crashing, you know, these white caps going over your head and pushing you down underwater. I, I know what it's like to be in the ocean. So when I talk about going across the Atlantic, that's in the deeper ocean and the waves are much higher. So when I speak about, I'm, I'm imagining in my head what uh, the water like. So what happened was, on September 6th in the year 1620, 102 passengers crowded on the Mayflower to begin this long, hard journey to a new life in the new world. The Mayflower was actually one of two ships. So there were actually two ships going out. 
but the other one had a leak and came back. Uh, and so passengers that were on both, they went on to one ship. That's why there were 102 passengers. They definitely wanted to go to the New World. On November 9th, 1620, the Mayflower carrying 102 passengers with 50 pilgrims on board in search of religious freedom approached Cape Cod. They had left England 65 days earlier on September 6, 1620. Spend a moment about being on a wooden ship with no heating or ventilation, no medicine for more than two months in stormy weather. Because this is, you, you heard me say, this was September 6. We know that hurricane season goes through November. So they had decided to go through this. They didn't know that it was hurricane season, okay? On November 11th, 1620, the Mayflower anchored. That was 400 years ago. A week ago was the anniversary of that date, and that date was also a Wednesday. The ship was lost. It was supposed to go to Jamestown, but what happened was with the hurricane coming up uh, through the coast, uh, they went north, and they ended up uh, in Cape Cod. So uh, what happened was they wanted to join an existing settlement. So the idea is as they arrived in November, they knew it would be about two months because Jamestown was already established. What the expectation was was to arrive there and there's already crops. There are already houses or a place to live in. Everything was all set up. They would just participate and integrate in an existing settlement. That didn't happen. Um, so what happened was uh, the ship was lost, and instead they were arrived in a barren land void of crops. Now let's talk about the word pilgrims. Why were they called pilgrims? Um, they were called pilgrims by their journalist. They had a journalist on board. His name is William Bradford. That name's important. We'll talk about him later. He had in mind the letter to the Hebrews, which was in chapter 11, verse 13 through 16. When he wrote, this is what William Bradford wrote. They knew they were pilgrims and looked not too much on those things, but lifted up their eyes to the heavens, their dearest country, and quieted their spirits. That means they relied on God. They wished to live in a community life as the apostles in the New Testament of the Bible. So they arrived. After exploring the region, the settlers chose a cleared area previously occupied by members of a local Native American tribe. They were called the Wampanoag. The tribe had abandoned the village years earlier after an outbreak of a European disease. That's why when they arrived, there weren't even the native Indians. They didn't see a settlement. Everything was barren. As I said, it was 1620, November, when they arrived. The winter of 1620 through 1621 was brutal as the pilgrims struggled to build their settlement, find food, and ward off sickness. By the spring, 50 of the original 102 Mayflower passengers were dead. So they lost half the crew, half the passengers. The remaining settlers made contact with returning members of the Wampanoag who had left earlier because of the plague. Uh, and in March, they signed a peace treaty with the tribal chief. And what's his name? Massasoit. That's where the name Massachusetts comes from. And you may have heard of Massasoit Community College. So aided by the Wampanoag, especially the English-speaking Squanto, the pilgrims were able to plant crops, especially corn and beans, uh, that were vital to their survival. 
So in the spring, that's when they started learning how to build a settlement. Uh, the Mayflower itself, the ship, and whatever remaining crew left to return to England on April 5th, 1621. So their actual house, their actual dwelling through the winter was the ship, where people were sick already when the ship arrived um, because there was no other house. The 102 passengers were made of 50 saints. These were the pilgrims. And then there were others that were called strangers. What are the strangers? These are the non-separatists and the crew. What that means is they did not separate from the Church of England. They were fine with the Church of England. They just wanted to go to the New World. So what happened was there was the Mayflower that had a combination of people who believed in true strict doctrine and then another group that followed the Church of England, and they were all on one ship. Okay, In view of the independent spirit of some, it became evident to both the saints and the strangers that they needed to cooperate and sign an agreement to rule themselves as they were going to settle in an area that was not within the purview, not within the purview of their patent. What does that mean? They were not in Jamestown. They were starting a new settlement from scratch. So this, there's this elder person, William Brewster, William Bradford, I told you about, Edward Winslow and the pilgrims, along with uh, a soldier, Miles Standish, and the strangers, these non-pilgrims, they agreed to sign a covenant before they landed to a representative, a self-government, because now they had to create a government. Um, and it was signed by 41 adult males on board, on November 11, 1620, just nine years after the publication of the King James Bible. The Mayflower Compact, that's what the Mayflower Compact is. It's a set of laws. It was the first charter of freedom in America and reflects the Christian heritage of our nation. So what I'm going to do is I'll read, it's very short, but I'm going to read the Mayflower Compact, and you will see that God is in the center, and this is the charter. This is how they said this is going to be our new land. Here's the Mayflower Compact. And it reads, In the name of God, amen. That's the first sentence. That's the first sentence. In the name of God, amen. So the Mayflower Compact, just by its first sentence, has God in the center. It says, In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, that means the sign names at the bottom, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, and by the grace of God, of, uh, of England, France, and Ireland, King and Defender of the Faith, having undertaken for the glory of God an advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. The settlement was really um, called Virginia, but it was so far away from uh, Virginia. Uh, do by these present solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid. And by the virtue hereof to enact, constitute, and frame such just and equal ordinances, acts, constitutions, offices from time to time. That means they would switch roles, as shall be thought, must meet and be convenient for the general good of the colony unto which we promise all due submission and obedience. That means the saints and the strangers had to work together. In this whereof, we have 
you subscribed our names at Cape Cod, the 11th of November, in our sovereign lord, King James of England, France, and Ireland, the 18th, and of Scotland, the 54th. In keeping with the compact, the pilgrims had converned, confirmed John Carver. John Carver. He was the first elected governor of the English colonies. In a sense, he was the first governor of Massachusetts. But it didn't last long, and I'll explain why. The pilgrims had landed first at Provincetown, Cape Cod, on November 11, 1620, because they went to the tip of Cape Cod. Uh, since the next day was Sunday, they stayed aboard the ship and worshipped God.